Oh, listen, dear one, I am thrilled to announce I have a brand new private coaching container opening up called Full Immersion Coaching. This is you and me working together privately as I become your mentor and soul guide for an entire year, providing you with the full support you need to grow a massively successful and prosperous heart-led business. To get all the details, DM me on Facebook or Instagram or send an email to allison at allisonscammell.com and say, tell me more about Full Immersion Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you. Hello, my dear ones. I hope you are experiencing a beautiful, spacious day full of joy, peace, and love. And if you aren't or have your days where you're not and you feel crunched for time, you feel frenzied, you feel like, oh, if only I had more time, then buckle up. I have an episode that you are going to want to hear until the end. And I certainly have had my relationship with time in the sense that I've always been really good at managing my time. I've always been interested in studying it and working with it and being in the flow of it. But I've always had this little voice inside of me that I have to work on every day to quiet and just feed a grape so I can quiet the voice. And that is just get a little bit more work done in your time. Just pack a little bit more in. And that is a deep-rooted voice that I experience. And I imagine you can relate to this in some way, shape, or form. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Ishelle Lunar about wild presence and how wild presence is the antidote for time scarcity. It's just amazing how we have been socially conditioned to be in the lack energy with time. There's never enough time. Time is money. Be productive with your time. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. And this conditioning over time, it's been handed down to us from generation to generation. It's a really challenging thing to rewrite at times, to release and let go and replace these thoughts with things like time is infinite. Time is spacious. It's expanded. Idleness expands time. There's always enough time. And Michelle today is going to give you some really powerful insights and habits and tips to rewrite your relationship with time so it may expand and you may experience wild presence. So in today's episode, Ishelle and I explore how to shift your relationship to time, how wild presence releases us from time scarcity, and how to expand time to experience more joy, flow, and ease in life and business. You guys, we're going to end on a powerful invitation that I, for one, will be implementing immediately that will put you in the energy of wild presence. So be sure to stay with us until the end. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio. 
a podcast for soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs here to bring about change on a massive level. We'll explore how you can activate your big soul mission, amplify your spiritual gifts, and clear the energy blocks weighing you down so you can gain unstoppable momentum in life and business. I'm Allison Scammell, your host and soul guide. Well, hey there, Soul Guide Circle. That is the name of this community of soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. In the Soul Guide Circle, we have big soul missions, and we yearn to earn more, serve more, and grow spiritually along the way. If you aren't already a member, then I invite you from my heart to join our Facebook group of over 1,600. Yes, we're growing. Leaders and lightworkers who are in service to each other and the planet. Find a link to join on my website, alisonscammell.com, or in the show notes. Today, I have a truly powerful episode for you that will help release time scarcity's grip on you. Whether it's a tight grip or a light grip, you will be served by the insights that we're about to share. And I had the pleasure of talking to Ishelle Lunar about this amazing topic of wild presence. With over 25 years as an eco-feminist web diva, Ishelle was the first Latin vice mayor of Petaluma, California, focused on public access to technology and ecology policymaking. At a mighty four foot 10 inches, Ishelle's life work is infused with Jedi activism, justice centering, emergence, decolonizing, and interconnecting. Her curiosities include plants, pollinators, and homemade textiles. And she created a wildlife sanctuary for native bees and sloths in the highland jungle of Nicaragua. I know your relationship to time will shift and expand after listening to this episode. So please enjoy. Michelle, welcome to Soul Guide Radio. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to dive into this topic. We were chatting briefly before we started recording that you live in Nicaragua, which is a place I was lucky enough to visit, and it's the most beautiful place. So I just want to say that's so cool that you live in this, what feels to me like kind of an exotic, like you live in the jungle. I love jungles. And it's just very exotic and very cool. It's it's truly remarkable to live here. We are constantly learning what life in the jungle is like and everything that, you know, wants to take our life. There's so many, you know, different poisonous types of creatures and but the the wildlife here is just stunning. We it's just it's really remarkable. That's so awesome. What's one animal you encounter? on a regular basis that always just kind of like, I can't believe I'm encountering this animal. Scorpions are pretty common. And I did not realize that coming here. Aha. Spiders are also very common. And the most giant spiders I've ever seen have been found inside a house. And, but scorpions are, there's two different kinds. There's the big ones that are dark and they can actually got bit the one right after I moved here. Pretty mild. Oh my gosh. 
the light colored ones that are tiny are really the ones you want to avoid. And I actually came across my first one a couple weeks ago, stepping out onto my patio. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. That is so crazy. Well, what, what a place, right? I, what a place to like really keep you connected to your senses, aware, present. There are wild animals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be really mindful. And I think it's, that's one of the things that's taught me so much about living in the jungle is this, you know, just really being co-regulated with the environment around me. So I'm, you know, aware of all that's happening and yeah. That is a perfect segue into this amazing topic we're going to be exploring today about wild presence, which I love, the antidote for time scarcity. And I am a real, like, I would say my whole adult life, I've really just loved time management to use sort of more masculine expression. And I I love to be efficient. I love to plan my time in a way that serves me. I like to reflect on things like I just love this topic. It it brings me joy in strange ways. And I, I love it when I like have a day where I'm like, Oh my God, my time was just so beautiful that day. And it felt so good. It's like so rewarding for me. And I think a lot of us though, and I've certainly struggled with that. So it's not every day I reflect back and have that feeling. A lot of us struggle with our relationship to time. And even though I love this topic, I have definitely struggled with it throughout my life. And, you know, I think like, I think back to like, I think then we go through like transitions, right? And once we kind of get a good relationship to it, like we have a child or something that totally like, okay, now how can I relate to time in this new thing, like this new world I'm living in? So how is it we can shift our relationship to time as we go through life and we go through life's various transitions? Yeah, it's a good question because dominator culture really has sort of defined our experience of time in four distinct ways. They've stolen our time. They have commodified our time, perfected our time, and they've outsourced our time. And that has really created a separation of being able to co-regulate and be in relationship to time in really deep and meaningful ways. And so one of the things that I like to do to really sort of shake those four core aspects of colonial time is to get people to start to think about time, not as this separate thing, this sort of abstract thing, but that actually time is an entity. And that comes from my own cultural background in my indigenous Mayan culture, where time is really seen as a friend and it has characteristics and it goes through cycles. And so the Mayan calendar is really connected to that description of who time is and, and what that's all about. And so that's really informed and helped me to sort of shift that relationship that I have with time when the dominant culture really wants us to, to really be separated from our place, from, from time itself and from the cosmos in so many different ways. So being able to just sort of think about time as a friend and look at the language that we use around 
time, a lot of it is really connected to scarcity, time being money and and those kinds of things as well. And so when we start to sort of see that in the way that we talk about time and the way we feel about time, that's where we can really start to dig in and dive deep into shifting that relationship with time as our friend. Oh, I love that. That is really a beautiful way to look at it. And it's really powerful what you're saying about this separation, like this dominant culture separating us or leaving us with the feeling that we are separated from our time. And I always feel like whenever there's separation, it always leads, it always like one of the byproducts of that is lack, right? That scarcity. And that separation is giving us this illusion of scarcity. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, there's so much sort of baked into dominator culture around how we experience time and our access to resources and that separation that it creates between ourselves and other people, ourselves and our community, ourselves and the land itself. And so a lot of the work that I do is really about shifting those relationships and coming back into connection and into relationship and into co-regulation with ourselves, the people around us and the land itself. Beautiful. So how does time scarcity and a relationship to time affect our resting and in some instances making rest very difficult for us? That's a good question. It's because we... We get in this, this experience that we, we don't have enough time and we have to go, go, go. Our nervous systems are really on tilt in terms of the fight, flight, freeze, fawn sort of modes. Typically fight and flight are the ones that are really associated with a lot of scarcity and access to resources. And so what happens is that we start to tell ourselves that if we are to slow down, that that's not safe, that we, it will be a waste, a waste of time, right? We think about it in terms of waste and lack and that sort of thing. And then what happens is that we, we believe this idea that we need to move faster rather than slow down. And time and again, what I see is when people are, when my clients in particular in such a state of time scarcity, you know, they're, they're right at that moment of burnout or exhaustion, just trying to keep going and keep going. When I ask them to slow down, to take a moment, to take a vacation, to take a couple of days off, even a day, a few hours, et cetera, it, can be so difficult for people to do that because it is so deeply associated with our ability to access resources, right? To, to cover all the things we need in order to survive and to get by. And yet when people are able to slow down and to take a moment, to take some breaths, to get connected with the world around them, that's where time just expands in such an incredible way. And then they're refilled and they're able to sort of better cope with the world around them and the things that are happening. It's it's a real shift that takes place. and But it's very difficult for people to get there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so profound. Quickly, what does, when you said our, our fight or flight or freeze or fawn, what is fawn? Fawn is most widely recognized as people-pleasing. Ah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So 
for folks that so we all sort of orient to at least one of those four modes in terms of our nervous system when it's activated versus when we are at rest and we're co-regulated with our environment or with other people. We're in sort of that rest and digest mode, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is those four Fs that I talked about. And most people think in terms of fight or flight, you know, run or confront. But freeze is an, is another one where people get really stuck and they can't move. They're sort of immobilized in terms of being able to deal with what's happening around them. Fawn is where we sort of acquiesce. And so it's most widely seen as people pleasing is, is the simplest way to describe that. But it could be go along to get along, doing things that sort of are not in alignment with our boundaries because we fear our bosses or some, you know, something externally that, that we're concerned about. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is so brilliant. I'd never put the, the fawning in that context before, but it makes perfect sense. And I just love how you're reflecting on this, you know, slowing down this, this really entrenched belief in the collective consciousness that slowing down is a waste of time. You know, I just, I think of my dad who's really like, you know, he's an old farmer. You know, I grew up in the 1950s in middle America, but he's actually, you know, so you'd think, oh, he's got really conservative ideals, you know, kind of of a pastime. Well, sometimes, yes, but but he really is an enlightened guy, very progressive, very open, really connected to earth. And and, you know, he was just a really emotionally available dad, which I think a lot of people didn't have, sadly. So I was really, really lucky. And I'll say, literally, I could rob a bank and my dad would be like, oh, well, it's OK. You know, you'll you'll do better next time. And he would be OK with it. But if I were lazy, if he was perceiving me to be lazy, I mean, that was just like the thing for him that was just so like you could do anything except for not be working hard. And and so I kind of grew up with that. And I tell you what, that has been and I've, I've worked my whole adult. So, no, you know, he got it from his parents. You know, no, no, I love dad. No, you know, whatever. He was doing the best he could. But my point is that has just been such a story for me to rewrite for myself. It's just been one of my biggest challenges, I think, is rewriting this this thought, this belief system for myself. Yes. You know, there's a great book that I came across. I've been deconstructing this myself for many, many years because my grandmother, bless her heart, was the same way. Like if we weren't up at six, then she was in the kitchen. Like when we would visit and stay the night, she was up in the kitchen banging pots and pans at like six o'clock. And wow, we were considered lazy to to sleep, you know, past sunrise. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, I really had to sort of like, examine that and, and figure out what that is about dominator culture that, you know, is part of that concept of scarcity. And the piece that I really love comes from this book by Devin Price called, well, it's not, I don't remember the exact title, but the the theme of the book is that lazy is a lie. And it's just, it's this thing that's been baked into dominator culture about time and about our work ethic that keeps us sort of in the grind and that, you know, if we aren't doing for dominator culture, then 
then we are in fact lazy and you know it is a lie and so it's it's one of those things where we just sort of have to we can become aware of it where we're telling ourselves those stories that push against our boundaries and force us into doing things that we don't have the capacity for. And the more that we're able to sort of confront where those boundaries are getting pushed upon, then the more we can protect our ourselves in terms of not going beyond our capacity, which is, you know, that downward slope towards burnout in so many different ways. Yes, yes. You said something so profound earlier when you said, when we slow down, time expands. And I would love to unpack that a bit more. So let's, and I have a feeling, I have a hunch that this is related. Our ability to tap into this is related to wild presence. And so I would be, I'd love to know, like, what does wild presence mean to you or how do you experience it? Mm, Yeah, I love to talk about this. So wild presence is this process of slowing down. It's dismantling some of that dominator culture that that really wants to take our sovereignty and disconnect us from our more indigenous ways of being, that being in relationship that I've talked about again and again. And that process of slowing down is very much disruptive of dominator culture. And when we can get into those spaces of co-regulating with our environment really being aware of what's happening around us, it does require us to slow down and to to become more mindful, to sort of access all of our senses in ways that we typically type try to shunt and dim because there's so much chaos and activation coming from the world around us, our devices and, you know, all of that sort of fast movement, electronic sort of movement that's coming through from, from the way that we live. And so wild presence is really this process of starting to create those spaces and those containers to slow down, to deepen our capacity for flow and the emergence of flow and really falling back in love with time, space and place in ways that deepen our relationship with the world around us and with people and and with ourselves. Mm, I love that. And getting back to that energy of time is our friend that we love and it's limitless, right? Yeah. 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 So what are some ways that we can tap into this wild presence? And I I think especially when we're going through particularly stressful times, I know when I am going through a particularly challenging time, you know, spiritual as I am and, you know, I got a pretty well-oiled, you know, daily spiritual practice, I I can even get, you know, things just go out the window when, when I'm going through a stressful time period and I tend to want to numb out. Just as you were t- suggesting earlier, like get out my phone. I'm on, I find myself on Facebook more, you know, just trying to like numb what's going on. So what are some ways we can tap into wild presence mindfully? And especially when we're going through a particularly challenging time. Yeah. So the first thing that we can do is protect our dopamine. Dopamine is this really beautiful neurochemical that helps us to really spark joy in our lives. And it can help us to really get drawn into our curiosities. 
However, dominator culture has been really good at accessing our dopamine and hijacking it from us. And so being able to create spaces for ourselves where we take a rest from our devices and sort of take back our dopamine for the things that we're curious about can be one way of starting to open up that wild presence. And then I I talk about these practices for accessing wild presence as dreaming in the wild, bringing in the wild into our lives in various different ways. And that, you know, accessing that comes through our ability to imagine and to sort of let our minds wander and, and be idle, you know, which pushes up against that sort of laziness piece as well. So there's a process of sort of being able to create that space that I'm going to come back to dominator culture and all the things that I have to do. But for right now, what is something that I could do that would really just invite in the wild? And so there's a number of different practices that I like to help my clients with. One in particular that I love is this idea of traveling in time, either back in time or forward in time, but really sort of getting out of the now for a moment and just sort of letting the mind wander into a different time so that when we come back into present time, we can start to feel the way that it actually is versus how the world wants us to think that it is. Another way is to get outside, right? Just get outside, start to really connect with nature, take a walk without listening to a podcast or being on the phone, just really being out in nature and with nature as a way to start to reconnect and rebuild that relationship with the world around us. Time is a very local experience. And when we really start to connect hyper-locally with the world around us, we start to really deepen into what the rhythm is around us. And that creates a really beautiful relationship that will fill us up again and again and again. You know, like I said, getting curious and, you know, really exploring our curiosities is another way to deepen our relationship with time and, you know, really start to help us reconnect with our dopamine. They're like breadcrumbs. <laughs> our curiosities are like breadcrumbs to synchronicity. It's just, it's really wonderful. You know, another way is to just lose track of time, really sort of letting go of the clock time and, you know, just sort of deepening into the magical world around us and getting creative and, and sort of getting drawn into that experience of flow where we sort of lose track of time, where it either speeds up or it slows down can help us to sort of shift out of what the world would like us to think of what time is. Hmm. Those are fantastic. I love creating space to be idle. You know, it really thinks, makes me think of my dog. I have a Spanish greyhound and they sleep like 20 hours a day, but they're not yeah. like, yeah, yeah, they're because they have a really, really, really high metabolism because they're so fast. They're called like, you know, 50 mile per hour couch potatoes because they like to like she, she, a perfect day for her would go out in late afternoon and sprint for about five, 10 minutes and then just head back to the couch. But I noticed that she's not sleeping. So she's sleeping part of the time on the couch, but for a very large chunk during the day, she's just idle, just 
staring off into space. I always think like, I need to learn how to do that. That idleness, it's very peaceful. It and is. Yes. And I don't know. I, I, I will tell you, Ishal, I, I'm not good at being idle. I can meditate. I can walk in the forest. I can do these other things. I can be follow my curiosity. I can lose track of time occasionally, but being idle is a challenge for me. I bump into that dominator culture starts whispering in my ear. Yeah. You know, there's a great book by Celeste Headley called Do Nothing. Mm. And she goes through basically that sort of history of how we've gotten to this place of go, go, go. And really is a proponent of getting to a place of doing nothing. Not all the time, just in, you know, the doses that we're able to do as a way to sort of push back against, against the culture that, you know, is just this relentless, these relentless systems of brutal productivity that I like to call. And another book that I really enjoy that sort of takes that perspective. It's a little bit more existential, but it's, it's also really good is 4,000 weeks. So that's the idea that, you know, the average lifespan is about 4,000 weeks. And so, you know, looking at like what we would do in the time that we're given. And I'm forgetting the the author's name at the moment, but really good book as well. And also just a real deep proponent of doing nothing. You know, I see that idea of slowing down and, you know, just being rather than doing as one of the ways that we can actually support the planet in creating more time and expanding more time for the planet itself. Right. Because all of the activity that humans do, a lot of it takes a toll in terms of that consumption of resources. And so part of the, the giving back to the planet and deepening that relationship to the planet that I see is just slowing down, just using less calories, using less resources as a way of giving back to the planet as well. Oh, that's really beautiful. I've never considered it that way before. I love that. And I'd be curious to know, Michelle, if you could share with us, like, walk us through a time when you were in this energy or in this space of doing nothing. Like, I know this is going to sound crazy and very, very masculine, but what I want to say is, like, walk us through what you were doing and you were doing nothing. Like, yeah, just take us through, like, uh, let us experience it with you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really fascinating to just take a seat and not have a plan. I try to build in spaces in my day to not have anything on the schedule, to like just have a space for that because we tend to try to fill our day with as much as possible and to get as much done as possible. And when we can create that space of not doing anything, just being then we're able to just sort of let the mind go. And so even just this morning before our call, I had about 45 minutes where I didn't have anything on the calendar. I had done my morning routine and all my rituals, you know, just my meditation and all the things that felt really good to to start my day. And I was like, ooh, okay, I'm just going to sit here for a little while. And, you know, it was fascinating to to watch the 
thoughts come in of like, well, maybe I should just sort of, I've, I've been working on a rest protocol and, you know, I could get back in. I could probably write a few paragraphs in the letter. Maybe I should post on social media. Like immediately the devices start to come in. And so it's just this like reflection of all the stuff that starts to come up and working through that and, and just sort of, you know, witnessing it and letting it go and almost getting pulled into something and then letting it go and just seeing the things that come up. And it's different every time, sometimes really incredible downloads and I'll write a poem. Sometimes nothing happens. You know, it's, it just depends on the energy of the day, what's happening around. But I just really invite people to to try it, to experiment with it and to start to see what happens. It can be really magical. It sounds like it. And I definitely know it is true because it's happened so many times that it's in those moments where I am slowed down, where the most profound insights do come in. When those downloads arrive, it's never when you're, you know, frenzied and have seven things going on at once, right? It's amazing to me because I know that. I know that. It's in the slowdown where all the juiciness happens. And it's just funny how the resistance can still be there, even though you know, you know how good it is. I know everything you're saying is true. So I guess it's just, I love what you're saying about carving out the time, you know, that just like unplanned space on the calendar and just sitting down just sit down. You feel like you need to do something. Start with sitting down and then just notice, notice what come, notice what happens next. Yeah. Another thing is, is doing it outside. It's another thing that I love to do is I have a couple sit spots throughout the, the property and just observing. Sometimes being able to just observe is a way that we can start to help ourselves slow down and do nothing by feeling like we're doing something. Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, what happens when we are just observing, then we start to get some pattern literacy that happens and we start to see, you know, if we do it regularly, we, you know, we come into a particular local space of ours where we can get outside a, a garden, a park, a beach, whatever it is, somewhere where you can go regularly and start to notice the rhythms of time that are taking place in that location and the way that the seasons come through and the way that the birds migrate in and out. And that pattern literacy is another way that can really activate flow as well. And so I love that ability to just sort of do nothing but by observing and just like connecting with the world around us in that way as well. Yes. And the sit spot, finding a sit spot in nature is brilliant. Yeah, I, I think back to when I was in the Peace Corps. Over 20 years ago, I was in in a village in the middle of the Danube Delta in Romania, and you could only get there by boat. There were no, they they still use the barter system so you could buy bread with fish. And it was really, I, I didn't have any devices. There was no internet. And I'm so, like, I look back and I'm so grateful. It was like, it was like late 1990s. So right before the dawn of Facebook and devices, I'm sure all Peace Corps volunteers now have iPhones wherever they are in the world, right? And I'm so grateful. And when I first got there, I was really struggling. I felt alone. I felt depressed. I didn't have friends. I wasn't fluent in the language. Nobody spoke English. And I was just like going through serious culture shock. 
and I sure. and I found a way, even though I didn't know about the concept of the sit spot at the time, that's what I just naturally started doing. And every day I would walk to this sit spot and there was a man, an old farmer that had a little flock of geese. Oh and he, God. yeah, he was like a geese shepherd, a goose shepherd. And he would shepherd out his geese and they would just sit on this nice little uh, grassy area. It was in the middle that, you know, the delta was on the the backdrop. And I would just watch him. We never said a word to each other, but I just loved to watch him with his geese. And I would watch how his geese interacted. And I thought, I never knew you could really shepherd geese, but you can. And and it was my sit spot was actually a way of me surviving that time. You know, so I was so kind of alone and isolated and depressed as I was kind of getting used to being there. And the sit spot really saved me when I look oh, back. It's so good. Yeah, that so that process of finding a location, finding that sit spot and going there again and again, what starts to happen is our nervous system starts to co-regulate with that space. And you know, co-regulation is this place of being connected with that place and our nervous system being able to relax and go into rest and digest mode. It, it tells our nervous system that we're safe. And so when we create familiarity, our nervous system says it's safe. The thing is that sometimes familiarity can be things that aren't so great for us. And so there's a challenge there around whether something is familiar and safe because, you know, it is what it is or if it's, you know, truly regenerative. And that's what I love about your experience of, of how being able to go to that location, sort of seeing that daily rhythm that was happening with the shepherd of geese and coming into where you were and getting into that present moment as a way of sort of shifting your relationship with the change that you were going through and, and how you were, had been separated from, you know, what was familiar and being put into a very different location and, and, you know, different community and different cultural activities and values and all those things. So what a great way to, to co-regulate and sort of get acclimated. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love how you frame that. And yeah, it was just, I was, yeah, I, I, it was like, I, I think I surrendered to my survival instincts and that was what, what I went to. And it, yeah, that, that's so cool. That's so cool. So I have one more really profound question that I'd love to ask before we start wrapping up. Ishelle, I would love your perspective and how we can expand this capacity to be in this wild presence so we can show up with greater ease, joy and presence in our work. Yeah. So when we are really meeting the world around us and we're not pushing through so much of dominator culture wants us to push through, push past our boundaries, push past what we have capacity for. When we can honor our body and what its capacity is, then we really start to build self trust for ourselves and the work that we're doing. And that really helps the the process of the, the rhythms of daily life to just come through with ease. When we get into those rhythms and we have the capacity for the day, we're not pushing through. We're not trying to do too much. We're letting ourselves slow down when we need to, taking those breaks that we need to instead of pushing through. When we do those things, we get into those rhythms and 
that is what expands our capacity for the world around us and for these times in such a way that I think that the more that we could do just that work as sort of shifting culture into a new way of being, all of us individually doing that boundary work, that honoring our capacity, taking care of our needs, and then starting to recognize that in our teams, if we have teams or our families, if we're leading families, you know, wh- whoever those people are around us and, and starting to honor their capacity and their boundaries as well, that we really start to create this beautiful equilibrium that brings in the emergence of flow and joy and ease in our lives in such a way that we can really expand our capacity for this time and expand time and our relationship with time itself. So, yeah. That is really, really beautiful, Ishal. And this whole episode has just been so, so good. And I know the listeners of this podcast are receiving and will continue to receive so much from this really important wisdom and reframing people of this podcast. I think a lot of my listeners, you know, they're spiritual people. They've consumed a lot. And I really feel like you've taken something that we've all talked about a lot and read a lot about and just reframed it in a really fresh, exciting way that that we just that is going to really help us to be wildly present. So I can't thank Thank you you enough. You're so welcome. So I'm going to ask ask you in one sec how listeners can find you. But before I get to that, I like to ask my guests to leave the listeners with an invitation. So an invitation to do something or be someone or something in between. I would invite the listeners to really, if they don't have a sit spot out in the world, to find one and to see if they can start to cultivate a relationship with another creature in that space, whether it's a migratory bird, a bird that lives there all the time, you know, an insect of some kind, even the sound of the wind itself coming through, whatever that is, but just to start to create a relationship with that, that space and the, the other beings that are occupying that space with you. I love this invitation, Ishelle. I am so taking this invitation on. I already have like three places in mind. And I I just, you know, I haven't really had a sit spot in 20 years in this kind of special way you're talking about. I'm really, really excited to to be in this invitation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I know there are listeners out there who are going to want to know how to get in deeper into your world to learn more about you and the work you're doing. So how can our listeners find you? Yeah, I just updated my website. And so folks can visit eshell.love and that's I-X-C-H-E-L dot L-O-V-E. And they'll find some new memberships. I have two types of memberships for a coaching package where folks can meet once a month or twice a month. And then I also have a year-long program called Wild Presence. And those are just ways that we can deepen into this work and and explore time and and decolonizing time and, and getting really connected with the world around us. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, my mouth is dropped. There's a dot love URL. I didn't even know that. Yes. That's so cool. 
You have the best yeah. website URL. It's your first name dot love. That is so cool. So that link, my friends, will be in the show notes. Super amazing programs that you have. So if anybody who feels this feeling curious or interested or connected, I really do invite you to check out those links and learn more. And I want to say thank you so much again, Ishal, for being on the show and sharing all this just amazing, amazing insights with us. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Allison. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. And I want to thank you, dear listener, so much for tuning in to Soul Guide Radio today. And if you're feeling so cold, we have some links in the show notes of where you can leave reviews for this podcast. We'd be so grateful for your time in doing that. And we will read your review on the air. And as always, until next time, may your soul guide the way. ready to fill your business with soul clients in the next 60 days then download my free energy upgrade meditation to amp up your energy frequency dissolve the doubt and attract the soul clients you are destined to serve find the link to download on my website allisonscammell.com as well as in the show notes